Good morning. Uh, welcome to Emmanuel Anglican Church. My name is Father Aaron Damiani, and um, want to just thank you for coming on this snowy morning. I know uh, that yet another uh, yet another snowfall, right? Um, it leaves us weary, and um, so thank you for braving the snow and, and making it this morning. We are finishing out a series called The Four Pillars of a Healthy Community, and this is what we're doing is looking at this uh, passage in John 13, and we're watching what Jesus does as he creates a new community. He is giving them an example to follow, and as we uh, begin to, to launch our small groups ministry and as we begin to expand our, our ministry teams on Sunday morning and be, beyond, and also as we think about the life of our congregation going forward, we are looking at this text and drawing out four themes that we will begin to absorb and begin to practice as a congregation, four pillars of a healthy community. The first week we looked at a humble leadership, and essentially what we saw is that each healthy community centered around Jesus needs leaders, needs a team of leaders who spends their power for the sake of others, um, out of a secure identity and out of a vision that outlasts their own survival. So without leadership, you can't have a healthy community. And without a healthy, humble leader, the community won't be healthy. So you need a leader that recognizes and is honest about their power, gets their identity from God, and spends their power for the life of the community. The second week, we looked at sturdy grace. And... Uh, we, we saw how each healthy community needs to move from what we call single-serving grace, which is it's, it's disposable uh, for like one or two instances of pain, and once, once it's done, then we move on to the next relationship. Once we've experienced frustration or conflict with a relationship, we move on, we uproot ourselves, that's disposable grace, and we saw how we needed to move to sturdy grace, which is deeply rooted in the grace of Christ, and which sees uh, God bring great fruit out of relational failure. That was the second week. The third week, we looked at personal transformation. And um, we talked about how a healthy community is not huddled around each other's flaws, nor is a healthy community huddled around each other's affirmations, but a healthy community is huddled around the holy presence of God and encourages one another to gaze upon, look upon, focus on God's holiness God's goodness, and in the process, confess our sins, confess our flaws, um, and be changed into the likeness of Christ by the power of God. If you want to listen to these sermons, you can go to our SoundCloud page, which you can access through our Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook and look up Emmanuel Anglican Church of Chicago, you'll see we've posted all of these sermons, and we've linked to our SoundCloud page, so you can listen to those if you want to catch up. Today, we're looking at the final pillar, and that is the pillar of joyful service. Um, now, I think a lot of us have a default, when we think about joyful service, we have a default expectation, and that is that um, if we're going to have joy in our service, it's, it's an equation. It's reasonable comfort plus fulfilling work. Reasonable comfort plus fulfilling work equals joyful service. So reasonable comfort is when we have all of our needs met, basically. Um, and, we, and we have to have our needs met. That's a legitimate human thing, to, need, to, to, have, to have needs and to have them be met. So, you know, we need sleep. There have been some studies that have come out recently shown basically the link between um, 
between mental health and, and a proper amount of sleep. We all need we all need good sleep, and so we function better um, when we have that need met. Um, when our blood sugar is at its proper level, um, we're going to be nicer to people. We're less tempted to be grouchy. Um, so we've we've got a lot of needs, and I, I think a lot of us feel like, hey, you know, I can serve at my best when my needs are, are generally speaking met. My social needs, my spiritual needs, my caffeine needs. Um, uh, when I've had enough downtime, when I've had enough me time, when my tank is generally full, I'm gonna I'm gonna be at my best, and like I'm gonna really give you um, something fresh. And so um, we really like our needs to be met. When we when we when we begin to serve other people, um, but not only so not only that not only reasonable comfort but also fulfilling work. You know, a lot of us have taken the test and we've taken uh, the Myers Briggs and we've taken the Strengths Finder and we've taken the Enneagram and we've got a a real like fine tuned version um, uh, of what of the ways we really enjoy serving. Um, there's some there's some ways of serving that are really fulfilling for us and. Um, and we also have dreams, don't we? We've, we've, we've thought about ways that we would really love to serve people and, and, and really love to, um, to, to meet the needs of, of humanity. And so um, we, we really love to do fulfilling work. And this is work that people notice. This is work that people praise. This is when people go, wait, you're, an, you're a two, aren't you? Or you're a seven in the Enneagram, aren't you? I can see it because you're brilliant. Um, and so... So once our needs are, are generally met, we, we're generally comfortable, um, and we are able to, f- to do fulfilling work, engaging work, recognized work. Um, that, when you take those two things together, man, that's joyful service. And, um, um, and, and it's really wonderful. I'm not discounting that equation as something that's bad. But if it is our only equation, it will limit us it will limit our joy, and it will limit our service. Um, our, our delight and our joy will only be as, as deep as our comfortability level. So if you take away the comfortability, you take away the joy. So the joy is kind of, sh- is kind of shallow. Uh, it's kind of brittle. It's easily broken. It's easily messed with. Um, and our delight is only as deep as, 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 as how fulfilled we are in our work. So if our work isn't, doesn't feel fulfilling, then um, we can't take delight in that work. And so if you imagine just, it just shrinks the amount of tasks that you can do. It shrinks down the amount of needs that you can meet for other people because unless it fits into the finely tuned set of tasks that you enjoy doing, there's no joy for you. So if we stick to this equation... Um, if, that, if this equation isn't challenged and stretched beyond the point of comfortability and beyond the point of satisfaction, um, we're going to be severely limited in our joy or we're going to be severely limited in our service to other people. Jesus knew about a richer joy, a deeper joy, a joy that was more sturdy and durable, a joy that, was, uh, that, that could ride the ups and the downs of how fulfilled we were the ups and the downs about how comfortable we were. And he wanted us not, uh, not for his own sake, but for our own sake. He wanted to pass that on to us. He wanted to give us his version of joyful service, which is way beyond our, uh, identity, our, our definition of joyful service.
He wanted our community. He wanted the church writ large, but he also had a vision for Emmanuel, has a vision for Emmanuel, that we would be pulsating with his deeper joy, with his, um, with, with his passion to serve the needs of others. He doesn't want us to be limited by how satisfied we feel or how comfortable we are. He wants something only the Holy Spirit can give us, which is a deep, rich, abiding joy um, that is contagious. So I want to teach on this version of joyful service from John 13. I invite you to turn there um, right now in your Bibles or in your bulletins or your iPhones. So if our definition of joyful service is um, relative comfortability plus fulfilling work, Jesus' definition of joyful service is this. Exchanging your status for Jesus' status to meet the needs of others, to meet the needs of real people. So exchanging our status for Jesus' status and in union with Christ, meeting the real needs of real people around us. When we can engage in that kind of joyful service, our joy will be deeper and richer and more contagious and more Jesus-like than if we limit ourselves to our natural definition of joyful service. Look with me in verse 4. Jesus was gathering with his disciples right before he died. And I imagine that, um, that um, his disciples were filled with fear, filled with uncertainty. I'm sure Jesus was filled with all kinds of emotions. He had a betrayer in his midst. He had disciples that weren't understanding his message. And so, um, nevertheless, Jesus, not limited by his current, st- current emotional state, and also, Jesus was, was not limited by his status. It says in verse 4 that he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Jesus took on uh, the, the form of a servant and uh, put on the clothes of a servant. And in doing so, communicated to his disciples, I don't outrank you. I'm here to serve you. And I'm, I'm actually going to take on the role of a, of a servant because that is going to give me the freedom to serve you. Um, and so Jesus is actually offering to us uh, the opportunity to exercise the same freedom. He says in verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And what he's saying is, hey, look, I put on the clothes of a servant, and that gave me the freedom to do the work of a servant, to meet the real needs of my disciples. And you are no greater than I am. This is actually not just for me. This is not just for, for, uh, for me to be doing. This is actually you get to lay aside your status and take on my status. Jesus was also picturing what he would do on the cross. He would be stripped of his clothes, stripped of his dignity, and he would open wide his arms of love in complete vulnerability to, 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 love, uh, to love us who had no dignity, and he gave us the dignity, the robes of righteousness, and he exchanged um, his glory um, for, uh, uh, for our sin. And so Jesus is offering to, uh, to us, as we receive his love, as we receive his righteousness, he's offering to us the opportunity to take on the role of a servant. But unless we exchange our status for his status, unless we let go of the status that we've held on to, we cannot engage in this work of joyful service with Jesus. 
Um, I think for us, our status a lot of times is tied up in the people that we associate with, the circles that we run in. Our status is not so much in what we wear, it is to some degree in what we wear, but I think, the, I think our deeper status is tied in with who are our friends, who are we willing to be seen with, what parties do we go to, what parties, what invitations do we accept, what invitations do we ignore, who are the people that you want to be known as friends with, who are the people that you want to be tied to, are there people that, uh, whose friendship you've ignored, or whose uh, presence you've avoided because you know that if you're seen with them, if you're associated with them, that's going to lower your rank in the eyes of others. Um, it's a temptation for all of us to want to be associated with the highest status people we have access to and to avoid the lower status people that we feel like are trying to leech off of our, our status, our power. Jesus laid aside his status, and he associated with the lowest of the low. He, he associated with people who had nothing to offer him. He was incredibly kind and gave all of himself to people who had nothing to offer him. I think for, uh, for others of us, there are just certain things that we don't do. I don't do blank. There are, there are certain jobs that we have graduated from. We really do feel like, you know what, I, I am... Um, uh, I, I, verse 16 doesn't quite apply to me because there are certain things that I don't do. I don't do dirty diapers, okay? I don't do bodily fluids, all right? I don't do those kinds of jobs. Maybe there's a, you, you had a low-status job at one point in your life, and you feel like, you know what? I've moved on from that low-status job, that fast-food job, that farming job, and you know what? I've graduated to these kinds of jobs that are fulfilling and that are also full of dignity. I don't go back to those jobs that I once did. There are certain things that we, that we don't want to do because of our status. And Jesus is inviting us to, to be more free than that, to exchange our um, very brittle identity, our very brittle status, in exchange for his status. That is the status of a servant who is honored in the eyes of God. A servant who is honored in the eyes of God. Um... So we go down with Jesus. We don't graduate above Jesus. Secondly, not only do we exchange our status for Jesus' status, we love real people by meeting one of their real needs. We love real people, not imaginary people, or not the idea of humanity, by meeting their real needs. Now Jesus was observant and he could see who's, what, what are the actual needs of this actual gathering of people. And he could see that, you know what? We have a group of people here whose feet are so dirty and so smelly that um, if someone doesn't clean them, we can't stay in the same room together. It's, so, it's, 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 it's such an intense need. I'm going to, to lower myself and meet this actual need. And so he took actual feet into his hands, and he took actual water, and he scrubbed away the actual smell and the actual dirt. Um, I think for us, the, there's a challenge for us to move beyond the idea of humanity and the idea of love to actual people with actual needs, meeting those actual needs. And this involves listening, um, moving from our fantasies of what people need to asking questions and listening, to really listening. What do you actually need? What is actually going on in your life? What is your deficit? And how can I actually meet where you are? Um, Shane Claiborne said this, and he's got, he's got this phrase right outside of his... Um, this 
his uh, community that, that, that he leads, and it says this, everybody wants a revolution, but nobody wants to do the dishes. Community is about doing the dishes. Everybody wants a revolution, nobody wants to do the dishes, but community is about doing the dishes. Um, I think for us, we, we really do, we love doing revolutionary things. We love doing dramatic things. We love really feeling needed. And so we, we, we want to, do, we want to, to, to uh, change the world in shocking ways, in deep ways, in meaningful ways. But in the process of getting to these shocking, amazing, um, uh, headline-grabbing ways of changing the world, we miss the basics. We miss the basic ways people need to be loved. We miss the basic ways people need care. We miss the basic needs right in front of us because they aren't um, attention-grabbing enough. They're so prosaic, they're so real, that we miss them. We miss the needs that actually need to be met. And so we're not free to do the things that are mundane. We're not free to do the things that are real. We're not free to meet physical needs. We're not free to meet the needs right in front of us. Uh, ministry in the name of Jesus is meeting the needs of others, whether or not your needs are met, whether or not you feel overqualified or underqualified. And a lot of times when we obey Jesus, when we press into his service, sometimes he'll give us jobs that feel way beyond us, that feel way beyond our capacity. And sometimes he'll give us needs that feel way beneath us, way beneath our capacity. He defines what we're capable of doing and what we're not capable of doing. And usually the way we find out what he wants us to do is by just simply observing what the needs are and pressing in whether or not it fits our Myers-Briggs, whether or not it fits our Enneagram, whether or not it's recognized. Ministry in the name of Jesus is laying aside our status, receiving his status of being a servant, honored in the eyes of God, and meeting the needs that are right in front of us. We cannot do this if we're simply trying hard. This is an invitation from Christ to share in union with him. Look at with, with me in verse... Um, 13 and 14. He says, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, for you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, if I then, your rabbi and your curios, your, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. One of my favorite things to do as a father is to include my children in on activities that I've learned how to do as an adult. And so, um, not too long ago, I had to change the tube in my bike. And I took Sam outside with me, my, my, my five-year-old, and, um, and I gave him things to do. I gave him uh, a way to help me with changing the tire, changing the tube on, on my bike. And I could see the joy and delight in his face. Um, and I felt joy and delight as well. We were bonded together through that shared activity. And shared activity has a way of bonding people together. This is, when Jesus invites us into joyful service, he's not cracking the whip. He's inviting us to change the tire with him. He's inviting us to shared activity because it is a way for us to be united with our Savior. It's a way for us to understand what it's like to be him. It's a way for us to receive his life. And we, in as much as we believe the gospel that, that, um, that Jesus has completed us, saved us, and is renewing us and the world through his death and resurrection, we celebrate that. We celebrate that when we serve with him.
in ways that are recognized and ways that are not recognized, when we feel comfortable and when we don't feel comfortable. Jesus is the Lord and teacher of Emmanuel. We call him Lord, we call him teacher. He's inviting us to join him in his service. And I'm constantly challenged um, by, uh, by this challenge from Jesus. I'm constantly challenged. Most of the time, it's through my children. Um, and so um, there are times when I don't feel like I've had enough sleep, and yet there is a crying child. So before my tank is full, there's a real need right in front of me. It's not, gonna, not a need that's going to be recognized. Nevertheless, that cry from the child, from my, from my child, is, is in some ways it's a call of Jesus. Aaron, you can in freedom rise from your bed, even in your pre-caffeinated state, and you can meet a real need right in front of you, a need involving body fluids, a need involving someone else needing to eat, someone else needing comfort, someone else um, who, needs, um, who needs care. And you actually, Aaron, have the freedom to, to do this before you feel comfortable, before your needs are met. And there's a great freedom in following Jesus before our needs are met, doing something where we're not recognized. Um, when people come together uh, for the purpose of having their needs met, um, for the purpose of just receiving benefits, it can be sometimes like leeches coming together um, with the expectation that they're going to be fulfilled. And when that happens, some of you work in retail, you've seen this happen. There's a lot of frustration and anger, isn't there? There isn't a whole lot of unity. There isn't a whole lot of joy. I was in Costco the other day and, um, where there's all kinds of benefits. There's all kinds of amazing things that you can get from Costco. And I was amazed at how angry people were amidst all the benefits. There's widescreen TVs and, and food and, and, and provisions of, of every kind. Um, and yet people were, were angry. And I was kind of angry, like, get your big card out from, from in front of me. Uh, I, need to, you know, I need to get the benefits. Some of you work retail. You know this. You work at the Apple store. You've seen this. People are ready to get, you know, their, their amazing iPhones. And in the process, they're so mad. <laughs> Jesus is calling us to a joy that's deeper than having our needs met, deeper than benefits, deeper than being comfortable, deeper than doing something meaningful. I think he's calling us to be like a bundle of logs bound together, set ablaze for the life of the world, where all of us are uh, oxidized, for the sake of one another, and for the sake of Uptown, and for the sake of the world. Our energy is being burned up freely, with joy, for the sake of others. Sometimes it's doing things that are meaningful and recognized, and sometimes it's doing things that aren't meaningful, that aren't recognized in any way. But that's what God's call is. And the only way for us to live up to that call is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we close this series, let me pray for you and for our, for our church's future. Lord, we pray that we would lay aside our expectations for comfort, our expectations for recognition and full satisfaction. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us instead a vision for offering ourselves up for the needs of others. We pray that you would make every person in this room a minister in the name of Jesus. We pray that ministry through service would, would be um, set free in our congregation. And we pray, Lord, for each of the pillars to be realities in our communities, in our small groups, in our ministry teams, in our congregation. And Lord, I pray that we would even have an opportunity to take it into our workplaces, into our vocations. 
We pray, Lord, that you, as the Lord and teacher of this church, would lead us and would instruct us along the way. We trust you to do this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we confess our faith.